Welcome back to NB Ave, the NBA avenue for casual sports conversation and a great time. And we are your NBA venue for a great time every time. And we are more than halfway through this 2023-2024 NBA season. So we can start to, and I think we can actually more than start to, because in a lot of ways, I think there's not going to be so much change in the NBA from now till the playoffs in terms of the top nine or ten teams in each conference. I think they're pretty much set, and we can go through that shortly. But first, we're going to run through the games from last night. Last night was January 18th, 2024, so I'm coming to you live on January 19th. And let's recap these five games. We can go through it quickly. We have the Bulls beating the Raptors 116-110. Zach Levine was more so a non-factor, only scoring in single digits. 116-110, Bulls beating the Raptors. But when you have two teams that are just kind of in the middle of the pack, it's hard to get invested, and we're not going to spend too much time going into this one. Then we have the Knicks with Jalen Brunson back beating the Wizards 113-109. The game was really close for a lot of it, but at no point did I have the slightest bit of worry that the Knicks weren't going to win the game. Because what happens a lot of time when you have teams that are like the Wizards and like the Pistons is that they're not necessarily getting blown out in every game. Just because you have a bad record doesn't mean that every single game is a 40-point loss. It just means that you're losing almost every game, but the scores can vary, and most of the games are actually lost in the fourth quarter, and most of the games are lost within the last few minutes. It's how do you, how do you execute when the going gets tough. That's really what decides the result of most NBA games, or at least a very high portion of NBA games. So when the Knicks were being played close by the Wizards in the fourth quarter, I, I knew, I knew the Knicks were going to win the game. So Brunson coming back, having a huge night, over 40 points. Great. What else do you expect, really? But moving on to what was definitely the game of the night, the Thunder beat the Jazz, 134-129. Now, the Thunder were coming off of a couple of losses, something they haven't done too much of this season. And the Jazz... We're coming off a whole bunch of wins. The Jazz in the 10 previous games were 9-1, and one, hottest team in the league. But the Thunder proved that their consistency is just a little bit too much. The Thunder had the lead most of this game. Utah was able to really put up a fight in the final few minutes of the game. They made it closer than... Perhaps I, I, I thought they were going to make it, but, man, Larry Markinen and Colin Sexton were just bringing it, absolutely bringing it. Sexton had this play where he got the rebound, and he just ran it down the court, and this is on the NBA Top 10 for sure. Should probably be the highlight of the night. I think better than uh, the Anthony Edwards dunk that everyone's going crazy about where he alley-ooped it to himself. I think the Colin Sexton play was crazier because you didn't have time to blink. The play was starting on the left side of the screen, if you know, if you're watching the game on TV, 
and Sexton was at the basket on the right side before you could blink, and he ferociously dunked it. And he he took some brutal hits. He took a hit. I think it was from Kaysom Wallace. Uh, maybe it was from Jalen Williams, but he took a, a real shoulder that just knocked him off his feet, sent him flying. And what a tough player. And what a good player. Sexton and Markinen just absolutely bringing it. They kept it close. And Jordan Clarkson hit a huge three-pointer at the end of that game to even give Utah a chance. But what the Thunder showed was they were able to come up with a bucket whenever they needed it. Whenever the lead was getting a little too close for comfort, they got a timely three-point shot. Where they struggled the most was Chet Holmgren on the offensive end of the ball. Shea was absolutely sensational on both ends like he usually is. And Shea was able to cook and get his buckets, but where they they got turnovers was Chet Holmgren handling the ball in the fourth quarter. He he lost it trying to, you know, in transition one time and that ended up being a Utah bucket going back the other way, and he was taking some tough shots. He missed a bunch of three-pointers. He was a bit all over the place on the offensive end, and that was for sure the weakest part of the Thunder in the fourth quarter, but you need him on the floor for his defense. And even if he's not playing particularly good offense or good defense, you still want him on the floor because these are valuable learning experiences for him. And for the Thunder, I would wager it's even worth having him on the floor if you're going to lose a couple of games that you would win, just to get Chet Holmgren the experience of taking his lumps in these close games in the regular season. Because he is a rookie. Granted, he got to sit out the entire real rookie season and then come in as as sort of a, a rookie light, you know, a, a half-veteran player. And I think it's not right. I think that people shouldn't be able to do that and still be considered a rookie and win rookie of the year like Ben Simmons did it. But nonetheless, valuable experience for Chet Holmgren. And and these type of games where he struggles in the fourth quarter on offense are going to make him better. But also, he came up with a massive block. Massive, massive block on Markinen. It was a sensational block, and then the ball ended up bouncing off of somebody the referees really weren't sure, and, and even in the replays, it was super hard to tell whether that on that review at the end of the game, whether it was Utah ball or, or Thunder basketball, but a great block by Chet. So Chet has it on the defensive end. Through a lot of the game, he has it on the offensive end. He shows a lot of, a lot of promise, but he's still figuring it out when the game gets really tough and tight in the last couple of minutes of the game, but it's good. It's good that he's out there for those moments, and it's good that they trust him to, to be a part of these games, and Shea is able to take the slack on most nights, and Shea's able to counteract the downside of having Holmgren out there, and then Holmgren also, in a way, makes up for it on the defensive end with some nice blocks. So, great victory for the Thunder. It gets them back in the win column like I thought they would. I said on previous podcasts, the Thunder have shown that with their consistency, I don't see an extended losing streak in their future. And sure enough, I believe it was just two games, and now they're back in the win column, beating a team that was red hot like the Jazz. Jazz now have their choice 
of so many different players who they can trade. You would assume they're keeping Markin in. Would they trade Sexton? I don't know. He's looking real good. Should you trade him? Should you not? Should you trade Jordan Clarkson? Should you not? Should you trade Kelly Olenek? Should you not? So many players that they have the opportunity to trade if they want to, or they could continue to ride it out and see where it gets them. They have a lot of draft picks in the future, so definitely some tough and some interesting decisions coming from Utah in the near future. Then we had the Kings losing another tough game to the Pacers. What made this a really bad loss for Sacramento is, first of all, they were at home. And second of all, they were playing the Pacers without the Pacers' best player. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. So where did the Kings 120 sorry, where did the Pacers 126 points come from? It came from a lot of inexperienced guys. It came from some Matherin. It came from some guys who, you know, guys I'd never heard of before. And there was a certain player on the team. I think his name was Wallace. I think it was Wallace. Let's see. I'm going to pull it up right now. It was Walker. Jarris Walker scored 15 points in 20 minutes. And he had a really bad turnover at the end of the game, which actually gave the Kings a chance to make it close. And <clears throat> then the Kings were able to get you know, a timely bucket and, and to take it to within three points with Malik Monk at the foul line. He intentionally missed the shot, but they didn't come up with the rebound and they lost the game. But really, the Kings were fortunate to even be as close as they were. They are very good. The Sacramento Kings are very good when the game is hectic. And that's part of why they were so good in the playoff series where they lost Game 7 to... Golden State and why that was such a good series is because those games were hectic run up and down the floor back one way back the other way the whole game was a track meet and that's where De'Aaron Fox is amazing and that's where Malik Monk is amazing and when the game turned into that at the end the Kings were being super successful and they fought their way back into the game they were down by like 12-14 points for a while before then but you know, you're down 14 points in the fourth quarter, it's going to be hard to win that game, no matter how well you do in the final three, four minutes. And that was what it was. They played it close. They got it to within three points and couldn't pull off the victory. Also, we saw more evidence that Kevin Herter is a really good player in the NBA. And I guarantee you, if you take Kevin Herter with all the trade rumors and you find a way to put him on the Miami Heat, this guy's going to be dropping 30 points in the playoffs. He was great in the playoffs in Atlanta. And I think the Kings just have to figure out how to use him. And the Kings have to figure out how to use all their players. Because for whatever reason, they're just not as good as they were last year. Another tough loss for the Kings. And that takes us to the final game of the evening. The Timberwolves, 118. The Grizzlies, 103. Not a game. I'm sorry. The yes, the Timberwolves, 118. Grizzlies, 103. Timberwolves crushing the shorthanded Grizzlies, exactly what you expected. And, you know, we're more than halfway into the season. More than halfway in. And just to take you through a little bit of the standings, I don't see the standings changing very much. Go through the top teams in the East. You have Celtics at one, Bucks at two, Sixers at three. 
I think that's pretty much set in stone. Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, those are going to be the top three seeds in the East after another 40 games or so. And then in 4, 5, 6, 7, you have Cavaliers, Knicks, Heat, Pacers. Cavaliers, Knicks, Heat, Pacers. Cavs and Knicks are going to be in the same place. They, they were neck and neck last season. It's going to be a similar thing. The Heat, between 4 and 6, sounds about right for them. They made it to the finals last year. And they're doing better in the regular season this year than they did last year, so they're going to be in it. And then the Pacers at 7, once Halliburton's back, they're not going to continue moving down the standings. And then you have the Orlando Magic at 8, the Chicago Bulls at 9, and the Atlanta Hawks at 10. So you have the Magic at 8, Bulls at 9, Hawks at 10. The Magic are going to be around 8, the Bulls are going to be around 9, and the Hawks are going to be around 10. And maybe the Hawks can move up to 8. Maybe the Hawks can go on a little bit of a run. But after that, you have the Nets, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Pistons. You have all of the worst teams. The only team in that cluster that has a chance to make the play-in, I would say, is the Raptors. If they can put something together with their new trade player, newly traded, newly acquired pieces. But I would say 1 through 10, Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, Heat. Pacers, Magic, Bulls, Hawks, those are going to be the top 10 after another 40 games. The placement of those teams within the top 10 can vary, but for the most part, we, we see the 10 teams that we're going to be dealing with in the East come playoff time, and it's basically the same thing in the West. Let's go from the bottom because it's just a little easier. You have the Spurs out of it, and then you have the Trailblazers who are totally out of it, and you have the Grizzlies without John Morant and right now without Desmond Bain. They're not going to move up in the standings without John Morant. That's the, the whole reason why they're 15 and 26 now is because John Morant has missed most of those games, almost all of those games, and then he came back and they won like three in a row or four in a row. But those are a third of their victories. And he only played for a couple of games. So the Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs are out of it. And then you have the Warriors, who are having a season from absolute hell. And then you move to the Rockets at 11. Rockets at 11. And then after that, going from now within the top 10, going from top to bottom, you have the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Clippers. Those four teams are going to be one, two, three, four. Maybe one of them will move down to five. But those are, those are going to be the Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers are going to be there at the end. And then at, currently at five, you have the Pelicans. They're definitely possible to move down. Then you have the Mavericks at six, the Kings at seven, the Suns at eight, the Jazz at nine, the Lakers at ten. I could see the Pelicans moving down. I could see the Jazz perhaps moving down. I could see the Lakers moving up. I could see the Suns hanging around 8, maybe moving up to 7. I could see the Kings maybe moving up from 7 a little higher. Pelicans moving down. But I think that these top 10 teams, Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavericks, Kings, Suns, Jazz, Lakers are going to be the 10 come playoff time. Those are going to be the 10 we're dealing with. 
And then from the outside looking in, it's going to be Rockets, Warriors, Grizzlies, Blazers, Spurs. So for the most part, I'd be pretty surprised if teams from these top 10 in both conferences weren't there at the end as the top 10. The wild cards are, will the Pelicans lose a ton of games here on out and totally fall out of it? Which is doubtful. For them to move lower than 10, they're currently at 5. And for the Warriors, the Warriors are currently two games back of the Lakers. Lakers are sitting at 10, Warriors are sitting at 12. The Warriors are just working against a lot of factors right now. They're having a lot of trouble. Thompson hasn't been the same. Draymond Green has been all over the place, missed a lot of games. Andrew Wiggins has been a shell of himself. Steph Curry's missed a couple games. They're playing a lot of rookies. Pajemski, Trace Jackson Davis. Dario Saric hasn't really been what they've wanted. Chris Paul has been missing the last whole bunch of games. And now one of their assistant coaches passed away. There's just so much going on with that team. You have Kaminga complaining. Kaminga wants out. There's dissension in the locker room. There's just perhaps too much to handle for the Warriors this season, and it might be a lost year for them. Let's quickly go through the games that are going to happen tonight, January 19th. We have eight games of hoops coming up on a Friday night. We have the Sixers against the Magic. It should be a good game. The Sixers are for sure the better team, but the Magic are just playing well at the moment. Uh, Magic have been playing also without Franz Wagner, so that's a, a big blow. It's their second best player. And there's been some trade talks about the Magic giving up Wendell Carter, which I don't understand. He's on a great contract for the next couple of seasons. And when I saw them play live, Wendell Carter was really good. Every time I watch him play, he seems to be like the prototypical 3 and D big man. He's not your standard center because he's a little shorter than, you know, an Anthony Davis. He's shorter than a Gobert, than a Towns. But as your power forward, he's really what you want. A guy who can give you size inside. He's tough. He, he rebounds well and can also spread it out and hit a three really consistently. He's a guy I would love if they got traded to my team. So a little surprised to hear that. But anyway, Sixers against the Magic. You'd have to give the Sixers the advantage overall in the game, especially if the Magic are playing without Franz. Then we have the Spurs against the Hornets in the game that you're definitely welcome to skip. I encourage all of you not to watch that one. Then the Nuggets against the Celtics in Boston. That should be a really great game. Then you have the Hawks playing the Heat. This one can go any way. The Heat are super unpredictable night to night. They win games that they should lose. They lose games that they should win. You never know what they're going to look like. And you never know what the Hawks are going to look like. The Hawks play up to the good, the good teams. They play down to the bad teams. So it's really a complete crapshoot. Then you have the Suns against the Pelicans. The Suns had a miraculous, miraculous comeback to beat the Kings in their last one. The Suns are on the road in New Orleans, and we'll see if the Suns can get a couple of wins in a row against a Pelicans team that can also be very up and down. They can bomb you out of the building, or they can get crushed. 
So you have the Suns against the Pelicans should be a great one there. You have the Pacers against the Trailblazers. You got to give the Pacers the advantage in virtually every game that they're playing against against these bad teams. Like if they're if you're playing a, a Trailblazers team, you got to go with the other team. You just have to. Now, granted, if the Trailblazers really have their complete unit there, and they have Brogdon, and they have Jeremy Grant, and they have Shaden Sharp, they have some pieces. They can win some games, but that's happened so few times this season. There's a reason why they have three times as many losses as they do wins. So you got to pick the Pacers with or without Halliburton, although I hear Halliburton's supposed to come back soon. And then we have the, the Mavericks against the Warriors. Looks like it's going to be postponed. Another postponed game from the map from the from the Warriors due to what happened, and then the Nets versus the Lakers. Lakers have won a couple of games, won two in a row, and this is a great opportunity for the Lakers as the final game of the evening at ten thirty Eastern to get their third victory in a row and start making some headway into the standings. That's about gonna do it for us today on NB Av. You can email the show with your questions and comments at NB Avenue at yahoo.com. That's N-B-A-V-E-N-U-E at yahoo.com. And you can follow us on social at NBAV on Twitter, N-B-A-V-E, and NBAV on Facebook. And we'll catch you on the next one.